I don't think there is anything in here that has like a good side that also doesn't have a bad side to it, (laughs) if that makes sense. Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda, and sometimes I also watch too many movies. We are brother and sister, and this is our podcast for nerds, where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on, usually, but today we get to do something different. Today we'll be reviewing not one, but two new winter movie releases since we got those, which is very exciting. incredible, yeah. We'll be talking about Pixar's Soul and uh, the DC's Wonder Woman 1984 together in this episode. Mm-hmm. So that means we're going to be trying to do a new format where we're going to have two smaller spoiler light reviews. Probably we're going to stray as spoiler free as possible to tell you if they're going to be worth watching at all. So in this duo review, why don't we start with the one I'm most excited to talk about, uh, the new Pixar movie, Disney's Soul. No. Is it H E double hockey sticks? Hell, hell, hell. Quiet coyotes. <laughs> no, it's the great before. All right, so to start with this, we're going to kind of break this down into three sections the good, the bad, and maybe like some nitpickier, like recommendation type things. So, first, let's talk a little bit about the setup of Soul. Uh, so, Soul is a movie starring a musician uh, voiced by Jamie Foxx, uh, who has lost a little bit of passion and dies <laughs> essentially right at the start of the movie. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way of getting around it. He dies. Uh, and his soul is a, uh, transported to sort of a pseudo in-between life, between that and the afterlife. And he tries to find his way back to his body. And uh, I won't spoiler more than that. That's kind of the setup for the movie. Um, Amanda... What Mm -hmm. are, I guess, the good things that you enjoyed about Soul? Yeah, so I just watched this, so it's super fresh. Uh, This is a really beautiful movie. The uh, Not just like the themes of it, but also just the way it looks. The animation is pretty incredible. Uh, It's it's about a musician in particular uh, who's been trying to make it big, and now he's like a middle school teacher, which is Mm -hmm. super relatable. He just got his big break. And then he freaking dies, which sucks. (laughs) Um, So not only is the animation amazing, like literally the most incredible animation I've ever seen. uh, The story is really beautiful. The um, it's super relatable, super heartwarming, uh, super existential at times. Mm -hmm. Um, And on top of it, it's because it's about a musician and it's about jazz. It has these really beautiful um, jazz scores throughout it. Uh, So the music is absolutely top notch. Uh, it's pretty good, guys. It's a pretty good Pixar. What about you, David? Did you like it okay? Yeah, I think, you know, Pixar movies have an expectation at this point. Um, and I think the biggest critique of Pixar is always its previous releases. So... Mm-hmm. The director for this movie is the one who's probably done some of the most 
esoteric type of Pixar movies. Mm -hmm. So he's involved in ones like Inside Out and Up, which are, of course, some of my favorite ones. Um, And so I've heard a lot of criticism of this movie where it's like, well, it didn't make me feel the emotions I felt in Up and Inside Out. And that is an incredibly high bar to get. And in the fact that this movie (laughs) even comes close to that, I think still proves that it's a, it's a really emotionally effective of a movie. Um, I think along with Coco, it's one of the most like visually interesting. Some of the animation Mm -hmm. in this movie, like blew me away. There are these character designs that are like this, like line animation for some of the characters in this like in between world. Yeah, the like Picasso are, people. Oh my gosh, so I could good. look yeah. at that animation all day. It absolutely yeah. blew me away. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, and like you said, the music. This is the first movie that I've watched this year where I was actually mad I couldn't be in a theater to watch it. Um, yeah. Because you mentioned the jazz arrangements, which are incredible, but also the score is done by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, who have done Mm -hmm. incredible scores. They even did uh, a score this year that's completely not like this one, Mank, that was also very good. But Mm -hmm. the combination of like this very soft score combined with like some of the visuals in this in-between world is incredible and even if maybe the story isn't as emotionally effective i still felt very emotional at some of the images that were being put on screen it Mm -hmm. it really affected me i while watching it my wife told me that i could not stop talking about how much (laughs) i loved the animation and music every other second yeah there's a couple scenes in here that are um I, th- I think I, I get that criticism a little bit because the scenes and character moments are quieter than I think they are in like Up and Inside Out that rely on kind of like an, um, a more action-adventure storyline than this does. Um, but there are scenes in a barbershop uh, that are... The barbershop scene is probably my favorite scene. Uh, there's a scene in... Um, the main character's mom is a seamstress, and so there's a really great scene in her in her shop. Uh, and there's just scenes around New York in particular that are really beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's just it's really good. Uh, I will say. So, do you have any anything bad to say about this movie? Do you have any like bad or nitpicky things to say? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I think the movie nails it, its tone um, on the head, but. I think definitely as you get to the end, you start to kind of understand the structure of these types of movies. You know, Pixar mm-hmm. has just done this so many times. You know where this is going. You kind sure. of understand yeah. the point. And in a lot of ways, the climax of this movie or like the part that's really changes one of the characters in this movie is a quieter slice of life type of moment. So the emotion doesn't hit you over the head as hard as something like inside out or the first 10 minutes of up, which are, is some of the most incredible (laughs) filmmaking in the world. So, uh, I mean, the biggest criticism is that, you know, it doesn't really hit the highest of highs, but I think it still is in that upper echelon of like animation movies that I look at and I 
point to as like just incredible films. It's definitely up mm-hmm. probably in my top three Pixar movies. Yeah. Uh, so my criticism is something that I know that some 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 people I know are going to roast me for this and be livid that I said this. I think that casting Tina Fey in it was a mistake. Um, I love Tina Fey. I think she is really good in this movie. I think she's really funny. Um, I think they missed some of the emotional components that would come from her character actually being played by a young black person. Um, I I think a lot of this movie wants to talk about black culture without specifically engaging with it. Um, and I think they just missed like a really, they could have had like a really emotional punch by having that character voiced as somebody else. So that is like, like one nitpick that I kind of want it to be a little bit different. I understand the choice that they made. They make a joke about it even in the movie. Um, and I think her character is really good, but I think it could have been great. So that's my one nitpick, which is not a bad nitpick. Good to yeah. great is not that bad for a movie. Yeah, and I think too the uh, to go along with you, the Tina Fey casting doesn't add much to the character. Like she's a fine performer; she knows how to act. She's done voice acting before, you know. She's fine at it, but I wouldn't say, you know, you could sub in other people, and I think mm-hmm. they would do just as well. I don't think she necessarily elevates the performance like some other characters do, uh, especially the Jerry and Terry characters. Yeah. Their voice They're actors so are so good, like so yeah. good that it elevated those characters. I don't think Tina Fey's performance took it to do heights. I definitely think it it is something lost that could have put more work into. Do you have a favorite voice performance in this? It's probably, let me, let me look again at the cast. This is tough. This is really tough. Cause I, I think, um, you know, Jamie Foxx does an excellent job. He always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew, this is so tough. It would probably be, uh, is Terry the, the villainous one or is it Jerry? Yeah. Terry is the villainous one. Yeah. It would, it would Rachel. 100% be Terry. Terry, every single <laughs> Rachel House like, did a really good job. Yeah. Terry isn't doing a lot in the film, to be honest, but like the parts mm-hmm. that Terry it, are in is just so much better because of Rachel House's yeah. performance. Yeah. She does a really good job. Uh, my favorite voice performance was definitely Angela Bassett as Dorothea. Oh, um, yeah. She's like, she's like the big jazz star that. Uh, Joe, the main character, gets his big break with. Um, and she has a couple of really great like scenes and really great line delivery that just like gave me chills. She was she was like my favorite voice actor in the movie. Oh, yeah. All of those performances are great. I would also call out basically um, uh, all the acting in that uh, barger, barber shop scene that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Everyone amazing. kills it in that scene. So like this is this is just such a fun, easy movie to watch. And I am going to be buying this soundtrack. I would definitely listen to it. Um, I've been listening to it like in the mornings uh, because it's like a great transition between like this softer ambient like music from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross that Mm -hmm. then transitions into like this fun jazz arrangement. It shouldn't work. And it 100 percent does. And I love it. I wouldn't call this an easy movie to watch. It's definitely entertaining, but like if you're going into it expecting like a 
haha goofy kids movie um, or even something like in line with like The Incredibles or Toy Story, I don't know that you'll be 100% satisfied. It's definitely a lot more existential than the rest of those. Um, so just keep that in mind. Be ready for some like heavy, hard hitting emotions mm-hmm. <laughs> and like thought provoking things. Um, but it's definitely a quality movie. So it's 100% worth watching. Yes, this is this pays for your Disney Plus subscription. This is what for makes sure. you look yeah. at your Disney Plus and you're like, man, Mandalorian just ended. Do I really? Oh, wait. Soul came out. Yeah, sure. I'll pay them for this. So, <laughs> And you didn't have to pay for it, unlike Mulan. Yeah, which was so. not worth paying for. <laughs> I think the movie industry for that one. is telling me a very clear thing, which is do not spend money on movies, only pay for our subscriptions, which I'm cool with right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Any other talks on uh, Soul before we go into Wonder Woman? No, let's dive into Wonder Woman. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. All right, let's let's go into an incredibly different movie, Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Think about finally having everything you always wanted. I can save today. But you can save the world. Steve. <sighs> All right, Amanda... Do you want to yeah. take a crack at giving some sort of summary of Wonder mm, Woman 1984? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just okay, let's so set Wonder up Woman- since we don't need to go into spoilers. Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984 is a sequel to the original Wonder Woman. Uh, original Wonder Woman was set during World War One. This is now set during 1984. Very helpful that they put it in the film title. Um, and it's about... Hmm, uh, Diana is attempting to live her life, uh, but still pretty hung up on the events of Wonder Woman 1. And uh, she comes across a very strange artifact that grants wishes. Um, and all of a sudden she gets one of her wishes back and realizes it has a cost. And so this strange artifact wreaks havoc. Um, there's uh, a couple of villains in there for more fun. And uh, I don't think we can say anything else without getting into spoilers, but it's a wild ride, guys. It's a wild ride. It's something <laughs> I I think that actually does help people a little bit because I went into this story a little bit blind is knowing it's, yeah. it's kind of like a monkey's paw kind of situation. I think yeah. that's going to if you just understand the rules of that type of object, it's going to go a long way because the movie doesn't do a great job at explaining this object. Uh, Mm -hmm. So going into that definitely helps you learn the plot a little bit more. Uh, But let's this is this is going to be a wild discussion. So let's just start off with the good (laughs) stuff. okay? Amanda, what are some of the good things you like about Wonder Woman 1984? Okay, here's the problem with separating this into good and bad, because I don't think there is anything in here that has like a good side that also doesn't have a bad side to it, (laughs) if that makes sense, which is why this is the reviews for this movie have been all over. Um, You know, Gal Gadot is incredible, very charismatic, um, but her character is also a little bit boring in this. She's hung up on a guy from what would have been 60 years ago, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. Diana and Steve together, ride or die, Diana or Steve. But like, it was also 60 years ago. And so she's lived basically a whole lifetime since that. And you would think she would 
have a different storyline than her being like hung up on a dude. Um, what's really great is Gal Gadot and Kristen Wiig together. Um, they, Kristen Wiig is the villain, one of the villains of this, of this movie. She turns into Cheetah throughout the movie, um, which is a classic Wonder Woman villain. Uh, and they start off as friends in the beginning. And so I honestly like loved their kind of relationship together in the beginning before this wild ride happens. Um, but then it falls into maybe some campiness too and some goofiness. Uh, and Gal Gadot's not a great friend necessarily. No. <laughs> She's pretty demanding. <laughs> throughout the movie she's going through her own stuff uh and then we have pedro pascal who's wonderful and horrible at the same time because he is going so big and his character is so ridiculous um so it's really hard to talk about like the good in this without talking about the bananas things at the same time well, I I think this movie in a lot of ways is like a microcosm for like all DC movies where it's mm-hmm. like the character moments in this movie are kind of good. Like the mm-hmm. back and forth between Steve and Diana is always great. And I yes. think one of the reasons why they like to bring Steve back is because Gal Gadot, there's like scenes where Gal Gadot is just like with other people in scenes and she just mm-hmm. is like very clearly does not belong there because she is on like some other upper echelon of like beauty that you look way too cool. Like you just look at other people in the scene and you're like, this doesn't make sense. They shouldn't be in the room with her. But like character moments between them are great. Kristen Wiig, I think does a great job, especially earlier in the film. At one point of the film, Pedro Pascal puts the film on his back uh, and carries yeah. it through some of the rough parts. So like, <laughs> yeah, really, there are some really solid character moments. The idea of a movie surrounding like this monkey's paw type object gets very interesting at times. Mm-hmm. But it just like very never, dumb at other times. Yeah, it just never <laughs> sticks the landing ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just yeah. it really has a hard time taking these interesting ideas and characters and making it even remotely cohesive. Yeah. I mean, the movie starts off with this incredible, like kind of Olympics scene. Um, And the themes of that, like are supposed to be setting the tone for the rest of the movie because it's like a flashback. Right. And so it's when Diana is young, she competes in this uh, contest uh, she skips part of it in order to make it to the end faster. Uh, and she's a little girl compared to like these grown women competing. And she's so close to winning and she gets yanked out by like her aunt or whoever at the last minute uh, by Robin Wright and is like, no, you didn't win. You didn't p- play by the rules. You have to like, you have to do it the right way. Otherwise it doesn't count as a win. And you think that that's going to be the theme of it. And then it isn't. They go with like this completely other theme, uh, which is about like sacrificing and being like okay with what you have and being able to like move on to like better things through like this monkey paw thing. And it just doesn't quite work. It's just, mm-hmm. it's like, it's really disjointed. So again, it like starts off really good. It has some good things throughout it. And then it just goes nuts. It yeah. doesn't know where to go. <laughs> and in, what's crazy is this is an action movie with some of my least favorite action scenes I've ever seen in my entire life. Because incredibly boring. Yeah. They're, they are incredibly boring. Some of them are just badly sh- in the dark 
And most yeah. of all, and I do not understand how movies are still having a problem with this, it has some of the worst special effects I've ever seen. Yeah, it's People pretty bad. jumping around just like look like yeah. gravity is moon gravity all of a sudden. And nothing, like you don't... The- you don't necessarily need it to feel quote unquote realistic, but you want it to have some level of like consistency with the physics. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't ever like that first scene you're describing of them at the like doing like this weird Olympic type uh, obstacle course is mm-hmm. so terrible that you can tell it just I looks like everyone's on wires floating around. I could not I couldn't stand I didn't. it. I will defend that scene. I liked that scene. I don't think the effects were that bad for it because they only last like for part of the Olympic scene. I think like the mall scene is a little bit goofy. The cheetah fight is pretty bad. Um, I kind of like the road scene where they're like, that was in most of the trailers. Uh, I don't mind that scene as much. Um, I thought the White House scene was a little goofy. So it's like a mix. Um there's like some good and some bad. Uh, I will say though, so this is a slight spoiler. Diana learns how to fly, which is one of Wonder Woman's abilities. And I kind of loved it. I kind of really, really loved that scene. So there's, there's, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad mixed in. And you just got to decide if you're up for, if you're up for not taking it too seriously and just having a good time. Because I will say, as goofy and dumb and convoluted and kind of all over the place this movie is, I still like it better than all the other DC movies. Well, that's the thing. In the end of this movie, I still had fun, which is I crazy. I had a really to good me. time. Like, yeah. And a lot of that has to do with some of the silliness to the movie. I also think that uh, Pedro Pat's scal as uh, Maxwell Lord is just such a wild villain and it's a different type of villain i think in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways this movie (laughs) reminds me like the closest parallel i could think of was the amazing spider-man 2 which is certifiably not a good movie but it has a problem that a lot of other superhero movies have where they put too many characters in it they have too many villains the tones are mixed they don't know what to do with it but this movie just has more of a light sense of humor and it goes bigger than you think it would go. And so at the end of it, I I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. Like I was watching other DC movies. Yeah. I will have to say one thing. I kind of wish they didn't put Chris Pine in it. I think, um, I don't know if I love that. I like love, hate that storyline because I loved seeing Chris Pine in 80s clothes acting like the himbo he is. I also think he drugged the, dragged the story down a little bit. And so the way he comes back, this is going to be a small spoiler too. But I feel like at this point we've we've spoiled quite a few things. <laughs> well, we're not going to tell you how the, how the ending. We or, won't say the ending. You can probably guess it. But, but it, uh, Chris Pine comes back, Steve comes back and close to the beginning of the movie. So it's not quite a spoiler. Uh, That's her monkey's paw wish. She wishes for him back. She wishes for more time with him. And he, his soul is brought back in somebody else's body. So it's not, he doesn't just reappear. He has pushed somebody else's soul out of their body and taken over their body. 
And it's such an unnecessarily horrible thing to add. Like they could have just had him come back. It's magic. I wouldn't have questioned it. But the fact that he literally (laughs) crowded out somebody else's soul that she like meets again later as like, he must have just lost a couple days of his life. He's kind of nice. He's fine. He's yeah, he's a nice guy, but it's just weird. And it, it made us literally have to like stop halfway through the movie and being like, hold on. Is this what they're saying just happened? Because I feel like we need to talk about this happening and everybody needs to freak out more about it. <laughs> well, and I think this movie does have some parts where they bring in something interesting and you're like, whoa, 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 mm-hmm. whoa, 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 wait, I want to dive into that a little bit more. I want to like, talk about that more. Yeah, like one big thing for me is something that you've seen everywhere in the advertisement for this film. And I feel like they mostly put it in for merchandising, Star Wars style, is her armor. Because there is a backstory into how she got that armor. And it happens off screen. We don't see it. And Mm -hmm. the entire time I was like, wait a second. I want to know where she got that armor. That armor looks really cool. Why is this story not about that armor? Yeah, that would have been a cool story. I feel like that story skirts around something that's cool. Like, I definitely thought that because the first movie was about the god of war, I thought this movie was going to be about another Greek god. Um, And because it was granting, like, wishes, like, it was dealing with desire, I thought it was going to be, like, Aphrodite, which I thought would be an amazing, like, surprise. Yeah. Uh, But it wasn't. It was just this, it turned out to be, like, the god of lies behind it. Which isn't a thing. They just made it up for the movie. So it kind of sucked. But <laughs> it just feels like this, along with a lot of other DC movies, don't quite understand how to bring in the idea, like the interesting ideas from the comics and putting it in a movie yeah. form. Like for them, yeah. it oftentimes feels like, okay, how can we give Gal Gadot a great character moment? Or how can we take this... Yeah beloved character and push it to 11 like give them more of what they liked in the last thing instead of trying to show development through conflict and interesting storytelling and so just oftentimes just feels like a hodgepodge of ideas rather than a cohesive thing Mm um it also didn't need to be set in the 80s oh what'd you say it also didn't need to be set in the 80s yeah, and this is like one of the few movies where it just felt like like just way too much of 80s stuff. Like it felt it was way a lot, over the, yeah. It felt like like Guardians of the Galaxy if Guardians of the Galaxy felt like fresh, like it was bringing it back in, this feels like the like the 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 closing of the chapter of us celebrating the yeah. 80s. Like goodbye it was 80s. Definitely the this nail was the your coffin. last hurrah. Mhm. Definitely. Well, Pedro Pascal's character is, he's doing this like uh, televangelist preacher thing, um, which I didn't hate. And I think that's very interesting for like the time, but that feels like the only thing that they were doing, like the only, that was the only like callback to the eighties that made sense in the story. So everything else is just like, look at how cool these eighties clothes are. Ha ha, we're at the mall. Yeah. And like, that's kind of it. It's all very surface level. Um, The cold war. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, like 
I just keep coming back to. It has interesting things that they just don't want to explore. I think if this movie could have yeah. just focused up, like maybe if they focused on having just the villain be Maxwell Lord and being obsessed with that, I think that'd be interesting. Or if they just focused on Cheetah or if they just focused mm-hmm. on um, it being another Greek god. Like mm-hmm. it just needed a little bit more focus. I also, I really wanted Cheetah to be kind of like a, um, uh, like kind of like a Catwoman figure where like she's not quite a villain, but she's also not quite an ally. So I wanted them to have like a friendly, but also advert adversarial like relationship with each other. Um, and they did some stuff in the beginning and then they could just kind of left it the rest of the movie, which was a little bit disappointing because that was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And also cat people don't look good. CGI cat people don't look good. I, we should stop doing it. <laughs> we Have we just, not learned our lesson yet? Did we not learn anything from cats? Why are we doing this again? Oh my gosh, it did just kind of feel like cats again. It's like, what producer thought, you know what people need more of in 2020? Cats. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. It worked that. really well last year. Let's it do it more. <laughs> really well last year. All right. Any other last moments on Wonder Woman? Uh, not really. Do you recommend people watch it still? Uh, yes, actually. Absolutely. It's so weird because I can criticize this movie up and down. And in the end of it, I'm like, there's enough interesting things and things that made me like genuinely like the movie for me to be like, yeah, you should definitely watch it. It's a wild, messy. It makes absolutely no (laughs) sense. And if this was Rotten Tomatoes, I would definitely get it. Give it more on the rotten side than the fresh side. Yeah. Um, it also, you know, we didn't delve into this that much, but there's also some like, some questionable political things about the movie that I would recommend doing well, your research on that are very problematic. Um, but if you're just looking for that dumb, dumb movie to put on and for you to just have a wild ride with, this is it 100%. Yeah, to me, there's definitely like a line between like, like this movie and the other DC movies where I watch the other DC movies, especially like, Batman versus Superman or the Justice League where I'm like, why is this movie happening to me? Like, it feels like an attack against me. (laughs) Whereas like for Wonder Woman, it's just it's such a fun mess that you're like, all right, I could see I could see how this could be fun. It's not happening to me, but it's something that I can still enjoy. Does that make sense? It's like the difference between being in a car accident and watching and like driving by a car accident where you can still look at it. All right. I not feel affected by Well, that it. sums up our review. It's it's <laughs> Wonder Woman is a car accident that the traffic slows down. That nobody for, got so hurt you in. Get a good look. No one got hurt though. It's like yeah, but like so there was like seven about it. fender benders and one yeah. car that looked pretty bad, but everyone's safe. Um, yeah. So you slow yeah. down to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> Well, that'll be a wrap for today, then. You can subscribe to get new episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. So the typical iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you know, just all of them, okay? Uh, special thanks to Catloaf for our intro and outro music, the tracks of Story of Dittmars, and listen to more of him on Spotify. Yeah, and join us next time uh, when we go back to our regular episodes where we read the book and watch the movie and tell you all about it. Uh, Until then, 
see ya. Are you going to do a, are you also going to do a, a little outro for us here, David? A little um, score work here? I don't know. You can do, you got two choices. You can do Wonder Woman or you can do a jazz There's outro. So, so something I remember and something that I genuinely don't remember even a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't think of the Wonder Woman score. I can't do a jazz score either. Why don't we just do like a saxophone? Like, wait a second. We have a saxophone. It's playing right now. Oh, oh my gosh. It's playing. That's beautiful. That's what a, a beautiful, beautiful saxophone. saxophone. <laughs> what a great saxophone. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>